everybody, I just wanted to take a minute and thank you for listening to this podcast. Make sure you leave a like and a review on whatever podcast platform you're getting this from. Watch my daily radio shows live stream on rumble.com slash Casey the host. And I'm moving away from Facebook onto Telegram. So please follow me on Telegram at Casey the host. And of course, my website, which is a conservative news aggregator. You can get all of the best real news every single day, plus my daily show prep podcast videos and more, theburningtruth.us. And if you like knives, Kydex holsters, pepper spray, and hidden cameras, make sure you do your shopping at asdefense.com. Enjoy the show. Good afternoon. Thank you for tuning in. News Talk 95.3, Michiana's news channel. I am your host, Casey Hendrickson. I want to thank R&B Car Company locations in South Bend and Warsaw. R&B Car Company are your used car experts. All right. We're live streaming on Rumble. Go to rumble.com slash Casey, the host. You can follow me on on, uh, Instagram, on Telegram, and on Getter at Casey, the host as well. I just I figured I would start off with this because everybody's talking about it, and a lot of people are obviously very, very upset about this, but I have to take a different position here, and there's a lot to get to today. So this is technically not the most important issue in, in the world. Certainly, that's not the case, but at the same time, you know, I wanted to, I wanted to address this because people have been so furious about this over the past uh, day or so. So one of the... One of the owners of the the Golden State Warriors in the NBA has, he went on a podcast and they were talking about various political issues. There's actually some very interesting things being discussed and he actually made some very good points about some of the other things that he was talking about. And then he said a lot of stupid stuff as well. But the reason that I, I want to bring this up is, is because, again, everybody's just kind of furious about this. We know that the Chinese are enslaving and persecuting the Uyghurs. We know that. We've known that for an extended period of time. It has been a hot topic uh, for a lot of companies who manufacture in China. It's been a hot topic for the NBA in particular, as the NBA has a ton of players and coaches and owners and things like that that get squarely behind the BLM movement, and they, they're constantly talking about civil rights this, civil rights that, and and uh, abusing people, being wrong, and that sort of thing. And people always ask them a very simple question. Then why are you so invested in China, where China does everything that you claim that you're advocating against, but they just do it to the Uyghurs? Do you really care about them at all? And how can you be... And LeBron has really stepped in it many, many times over this. How can you be somebody who's going out there and saying that you're a passionate defender of human rights while you take paychecks from the Chinese government? And I think it's a legitimate question. You know, when you point out the hypocrisy of all of these celebrities who they won't go to certain states in the United States because they don't like the voting laws there or whatever, but they'll go over to Russia where the voting laws are far worse. Well, you're not standing for anything then. What's your what's your end game here? What's the point? You're being a hypocrite. So one of these NBA owners was on this podcast, and they're talking about various financial things, political things, um, and some some interesting exchanges did occur. I didn't listen to the entire thing, but I did listen to a few minutes of it. And I, I wanted to play this for you because for those of you who haven't heard about this yet, you're probably wondering why we're even leading off with an NBA owner even saying anything because that's not typically what I would lead off with. And you're right. It's not because in the grand scheme of things, it really isn't all that important. Uh, you know, my my feelings on, on people 
who uh, are involved in in athletics and things like that. I think it's fine that they make their their money and, and do what they can, but ultimately they are not important human beings. And while this guy is a venture capitalist and has been involved in some tech efforts and things like that, he's not really all that important either. So at the end of the day, what he says doesn't really mean a whole lot to most of our lives. But I think it's important because he's catching a lot of flack. And I just, I really, again, just let me get through the segment before you judge me on this. I have to defend him. While everybody is attacking him, and, and the, the guy's name is what, uh, Chamit Alahapitiya, something like that. So he's one of the owners of the Golden State Warriors. So he's on this podcast, and, and he says some things. Now, cue my audio, please. I want to I play you just the, the segment here. It's an hour and a half podcast. This came about 14 and a half minutes in, and I just want you to listen to what it is that he had to say. Uh, he's talking with one of the other hosts, and they're talking about things that, that Biden needs to do to get his approval numbers back up and everything else. So I just want you to listen to this. Maybe good for Americans. Like, I mean, his China policy, the fact that he came out with a statement on the Uyghurs, I thought was very strong. You know, it's one of the stronger things he did, but it's not coming up in the polls. And I think the whole Republicans interested nobody, in getting nobody Hillary cares to run about, again is no, 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 Nobody cares about it. what's happening to the Uyghurs, okay? You, you bring it up because you really what? care. And I think what that's do you mean nice that you cares? care. The rest of us don't care. I'm just well, telling you a very care? hard. Wait, wait, I'm you're telling you, you personally very, don't care. I'm telling you a very hard, ugly truth. Okay, of all the things that I care about, yes, it is below my line. Okay, oh, of all the things that I care about, it is below my line. Disappointing. Well, we. I think people, if you if you explain to them what's happening to the Uyghurs in China, they care, but it's not top of mind for them. That's not what's caring. top of mind right now. Is they go to the grocery store and and the shelves are empty. Sure, that I care yeah. about. Yeah. I, I care about the fact that our economy could turn on a dime if China invades Taiwan. I care about that. I care about climate change. You know, I care about a bunch of, I care about America's crippling and, you know, decrepit in healthcare infrastructure. Okay. So he goes on to all of his other, you know, is, is, he's obviously a leftist, but he goes on to his other points. Now, everybody's attacking him for saying, I don't care about the Uyghurs. Nobody cares about the Uyghurs. But I want to defend him. For just a minute. Most of you know what my position is on the China Uyghur situation. I, I've, I've covered it quite a bit. But what Chomet said is not wrong. And it's important that people kind of take a step back here. Again, it's one of those fundamental baseline things. Take a step back and actually analyze what is happening instead of having that visceral reaction. Now, people are having a visceral reaction for a whole host of reasons. One, he's a leftist and they don't like him. All right, cool. Um, two, he's an NBA owner, once again, displaying the hypocrisy of the NBA when it comes to human rights abuses in China. Okay, that's a fair point. I actually think that that's a very valid point. The other thing is, is that people just have this immediate reaction because they don't want anything bad to be happening to the Uyghurs, but at the same time, they're not doing anything to prevent it. They're not doing anything to advocate on behalf of the Uyghurs. This is that hashtag activism crap that we've been talking about that Michelle Obama made so trendy. Bring our girls home. Yeah, screw the boys. Far more boys were kidnapped over there. Nobody cared about the boys. Bring our girls home. Right, okay. Hashtag activism doesn't do anything. And I get it. You're in the West where you live a coddled, safe existence, 
and you want to feel like your your existence here on planet Earth has some meaning. And because you're bored, because you're so successful as a nation that people are actually sitting around with hours upon hours upon hours of free time. And they're looking for an entertainment because they don't need to worry, worry about bettering themselves. So they're just looking for entertainment and escape. And I realize that you're all so bored. And this is an indictment of all of you out there. I'm just talking overall in society. You're all so bored. You have to come up with ways that you're actually being oppressed or ways that you're being harmed. You have to create them out of thin air because they're not real. So you manufacture them. And one of those things is this hashtag activism. You know something bad is happening with the Uyghurs. And every time it comes up, you go, oh, it's so terrible. It's so terrible. And then what do you do? You, you immediately go out there and you buy Chinese products. It's, you know, that, that, that's what it is. And all he was saying is, in his existence, he doesn't really care about the Uyghurs. Can I at least give him this much credit? For once, we have somebody in the NBA who is honest. Can we just take a step back and appreciate that for just a second? Do I like what he's saying? No. Do I agree with what he's saying? No. Can we at least appreciate that he's saying it out loud? Isn't that kind of what we want? We want people to just be honest? And in his worldview, he doesn't care about a people that he's never met, never had contact with in a far distant land being abused by a horrible regime, which he actually kind of defended uh, throughout the the podcast, uh, he appears to be a, a Winnie the Flu sympathizer, but I digress. At least he's honest. Nobody else in the NBA who talks about human rights and then gets the China situation thrown back in their face, none of them ever address that question honestly. He did. I don't care about the Uyghurs. In my existence, they're not important. Therefore, I don't care. You might care. That's fine. I don't. And not many other people do. It's Is he wrong about that? Look at our behavior. It's real easy to go out there and say something, but if you don't actually back it up with your actions, does it mean all that much? It's a pretty good question, don't you think? At least he was honest. That's a lot more than we could say for LeBron. It's a lot more than we could say for a whole host of other players in, in not just the NBA, but all over in the NFL and everywhere else. At least he was honest. This discussion with the Olympics and everything else, being in China and the Uyghur situation and whether or not there should be boycotts and all of that, you know, that's... This is the one person who's been honest about all of this, and everybody is hitting him over it. And he, further, he keeps doubling down on it. He, he, doesn't, he doesn't care. I mean, this guy's a billionaire. Why would he care? Uh, but at the same time, I can appreciate that for once, at least somebody told the truth. He said, do I like what he said? Do I agree with it? No, but at least he told the truth. And so at least that little narrow scope of this entire uh, podcast of an hour and a half that they were on and, and they were discussing various issues, at the very least, I can say that about him. And while you got the other one, he was like, oh, yeah, the Uyghur thing. Joe Biden did this really good statement on the Uyghurs. And again, oh, so what did Joe Biden do? Hashtag activism. 
Joe Biden's like, yeah, what China does to the Uyghurs is bad. Okay, what is Joe Biden doing about it? Most of you are not in a position to actually affect what happens to the Uyghurs. Joe Biden is. What's Joe Biden actually doing about it? Not a thing. But this guy was super excited. Joe Biden issued a strongly worded statement about the Uyghurs, and that was amazing, but the polls don't really care. Yeah, the polls don't care because they know it's disingenuous and that he's not going to do anything. But he was really excited about meaningless hashtag activism. And so, Chomet, it's basically, nobody cares about the Uyghurs. I don't care about them. You don't care about them. And from a businessman's perspective in the NBA, as an NBA owner, why would he care? Now, what should be the focus is not what he said or how he said it. The focus should be, this is all the proof you need that the people who advocate for civil rights, and he has done that, the people who advocate for civil rights, they still pick and choose whose civil rights are more important than others. And he's chosen many other groups above the Uyghurs because he doesn't think the Uyghurs are really worth it because they don't, it's not important to them. And for most Americans, it isn't all that important to them either. They might think it's sad what's happening to them. And if they were given the power to make it go away without causing discomfort to themselves, I think most Americans would probably do that. But most Americans are not going to go out of their way to change their behavior to make sure that the Uyghurs are treated fairly in China. It's just a reality. It's the same reason that you have all of these Apple snobs running around talking about the environment when Apple was one of the most polluting companies in the world for a number of decades. Nobody cared. They're still walking around with these Apple devices. They don't care about the sweatshops that make the Apple devices. But they still like to talk about those social issues, but they don't actually care about them. They just like to say things to make themselves feel better and to make people think that they are better than they really are as a human being. At least... At the very least, this guy was honest. More coming up. News Talk 95.3, Michiana's News Channel. And good afternoon. Thank you for tuning in. News Talk 95.3, Michiana's news channel. I am your host, Casey Hendrickson. I want to thank uh, Warren Chiropractic. Now, here's, here's the thing. When I started going to Warren Chiropractic, I did so because many of you knew that I was having neck issues. And, and the about once a quarter or so, my neck would come up. It, it would have this, this horrible pain in it. And it used to just last a couple of days, then kind of go away. Then it would you know last a week. Then it would go away. And it got to the point where it was lasting weeks. And so at one point in time, I think it was almost like a month where it was just absolute pain all the time. And many of you said, look, you got to go to Warren Chiropractic. Trust us. We've all been there. I got many coworkers who go to Warren Chiropractic. So I finally did, uh, bit the bullet, set up my appointment, went to Warren Chiropractic. 
and found out that my spine was all sorts of, uh, I don't know, it was bent up like a pretzel, it was bending the wrong ways, it was messed up, and um, it was causing some of the the issues that I was having with my neck. So I started getting treatment at Warren Chiropractic, which wasn't just a snap, crackle, and pop thing like most people think of with a chiropractic office. Yes, there are adjustments, but I also had traction therapy and decompression therapy and laser therapy and massage therapy. I had all of that kind of thrown in there. And now we've just had my follow-up x-rays a couple of weeks ago. My spine is 91% better. So I have less pain. I have more mobility. And I don't have to get those injections in my neck to keep that pain that was constantly coming back from an old neck injury. I don't have to get those anymore. And that's all because of Warren Chiropractic. So I'm returning the favor to the audience and because the audience is the one that told me to go there. So now I'm telling those of you in the audience who have pain, it's time for you to pick up the phone and set up an appointment at Warren Chiropractic, or you can visit them online at warrenchiro.com. Go to the new patient tab, set up your evaluation, and let them know that I sent you. All right. You know, one of the other examples of people not really caring, uh, but like liking to talk a game, you know, uh, far left in this country really does love telling themselves that they're about human rights and they're they're the, uh, the the party of the poor and the party of women and the party of children and things like that, yet they really, really will not do anything to prevent human trafficking across that southern border. They're just not interested in it. They are not interested in preventing that at all. And, and there's a couple of different reasons for that. One, votes. They're trying to buy votes. And two, they need people to clean their houses and their pools and to, to babysit their kids and things like that. And, and even pick lettuce, as John McCain once famously said. That's, that's what they want. They don't care about the indentured servitude. They don't care about the human trafficking elements of it. They don't care about any of that. All they care about is that it gets them a good or service that they want for a cheap price. That's really all it is. And I know that nobody wants to believe that about themselves. No, no, you're a good person. I'm sure that you are. But human, human nature, human nature is makes it very easy to exploit other people for our own gain. And we like to tell ourselves that we're different or that we've evolved, that we're, we're not the same as the animal kingdom, but the reality is very, very, very different. And if you can do that, as many people do on a regular basis, I mean, you could say at least, you know, half of the population, if not more, they're okay with exploiting poor people who are from down south. They're okay with exploiting them so long as it gets them something cheaper or provides them a good or service. That's all they care about. So what, what this guy said is not really anything that anybody should be surprised about, but at least you can appreciate his honesty. All right, we got a lot to get to today. Don't worry, we're going to get to stuff. Uh, the FBI situation with Whitmer, that's getting even more interesting than it was. So we're going to talk about that coming up in just a couple of minutes. MNC News Time is 3.31. Time to check out Impress Jewelry Creations, creating meaningful jewelry for the moments that will last a lifetime.
And good afternoon. Thank you for tuning in. News Talk 95.3, Michiana's news channel. I'm your host, Casey Hendrickson. Don't forget, live streaming on Rumble. Go to rumble.com slash Casey, the host. Hit that subscribe button. Also want to thank R&B Car Company, locations in South Bend and Warsaw. R&B Car Company are your used car experts. So real quick, I promise I'm not going to keep going on, on this, but real quick, just to address the NBA issue. One of the things that we have always pointed out is that uh, the Chinese are really racist, like a lot. And the NBA players who are consistently saying that the United States is the most racist country in the world and they get treated better everywhere else in the world, uh, NBA players were greeted in China by Chinese basketball fans for the Olympics with shouts of N-word, N-word, N-word. Hmm. With the 2022 Olympic Games just weeks away, a group of Chinese basketball fans began yelling the N-word at U.S. basketball player Sonny Weems as he gets off of a bus. They routinely uh, shouted N-word over and over again and told him to get out of China. It even prompted an apology from the basketball league after hundreds of fans decried the incident. Well, there you go. I, I don't remember seeing that happening anywhere in the United States. All right, so there's been a development in the fake Whitmer kidnapping plot. In a stunning move, defense lawyers now want prosecutors to offer immunity, not to their clients, but to the FBI agents and informants who were involved in the case. A new defense filing took the rare step of asking the judge to order the Justice Department to offer use immunity to every FBI asset involved in the plot fearing that they will invoke their Fifth Amendment right against self-incrimination in court. Defense attorneys are attempting to compel testimony that would be immune from prosecution except charges of perjury. So the D.C. criminal defense attorney representing a few of the January 6th defendants uh, said that the request is, quote, mind-blowingly rare. Prosecutors are desperate to conceal the FBI's animating and likely criminal role In the Whitmer plot, the Justice Department notified the court in December that three of the top FBI agents in the case, including Richard Trask, the FBI investigator who signed the criminal complaint against the federal defendants in October 2020, have been removed from the government's witness list. The trial is set again for March 8th. Uh, Now, Trask was fired by the FBI, which... You know how hard it is to get fired by the FBI or to get fired by any federal government entity? You realize, so one of my old professors was at the ground level of the Department of Homeland Security, okay? So we were just building the Department of Homeland Security. He was with the FBI. He got moved over there, and he couldn't fire somebody that they had on camera stealing the computer workstations. He couldn't fire him. So... You've got an employee at the Department of Homeland Security walking off with your, your basically your desktop computer. And they had it on camera, and he still couldn't fire the guy. I mean, what's on that computer? It's the Department of Homeland Security, for crying out loud. And they weren't allowed to fire the guy. You know how hard it is to get fired by the FBI? So they fired him, and that was the guy who beat up his wife after he got drunk, went into a range, uh, a rage, I should say, after the uh, the swingers party thing. So I guess she had a little too good of a time with somebody else. Um, That's, you know, what can you say? Definitely a liberal. 
Uh, reporters also discovered several anti-Trump tirades posted on Trask's social media accounts. Uh, he hated Donald Trump, hated Trump supporters, that sort of thing. So he's one of them. Now, keep in mind, the ringleader, air quote, the ringleader that the FBI says is the guy who is responsible for all of this was known as Captain Autism, for crying out loud. Uh, the guy is, one of them was homeless. It's Was it Captain Autism that was homeless, or was it the other dude that was homeless? So anyway, the investigation in this case is based primarily on the efforts of FBI agents and confidential human sources, according to Scott Graham, the attorney representing uh, Caleb Frank, one of the five men facing conspiracy to kidnap charges, punishable by life a life sentence, by the way. Normally, these people would testify at trial and would answer relevant questions posed by both sides to the case. The entrapment defense directed at both groups would be argued by the parties and decided by the jury. In this case, however, it's different than most. It is now apparent that a number of both the agents and sources have reason to refuse to testify by invoking their Fifth Amendment rights against self-incrimination. So essentially what's happening here is the FBI plot to kidnap Gretchen Whitmer and blame these other people, which they then lied about and said were Trump supporters. They're not. What's happening is normally when you go to trial, the defense would be able to make specific arguments about conspiracy. And both sides would then be able to testify on that and answer those questions, and the jury would be able to decide if it was true or not. That's not happening because the government is now pulling all of their FBI agents and all of their FBI informants and assets. They're pulling them off of the witness list, and they're not going to let them testify. And if they get called by the defense, they're just going to plead the fifth, and they're not going to say anything. So the defense won't actually be able to gain any ground or get any answers to some of the questions about the involvement of said FBI agents from any of them. So you won't be able to cross-examine them. Now, for those of you who are, again, still unaware of this, this is a plot that was developed by, planned by, spurred on by, and supplied by the FBI side of things. The other guys involved, according to the information that's been released, they were only going along with the FBI doing it. Does that make them right? Absolutely not. But they would have likely never attempted or done anything like this had they not been coaxed into it. Um, there's, again, some allegations of, of some uh, mental deficiencies that may be at play here with some of the uh, some of the defendants. This is... It really is an egregious case. So this move here is basically we're going to give, we want the court to give all of the FBI agents who are involved in this, all of the informants, all of the assets for the FBI who are involved in it, immunity. So they can't be prosecuted for anything unless they perjure themselves. And then they can't take the Fifth Amendment. So they go to court. They don't have to take the Fifth Amendment because they don't need to protect themselves because they're immune. And then you can actually start asking them questions and get answers about this plot. The defense's entire defense is, is that nobody was going to do this until the FBI started it. And the FBI was the one that hatched the plot, started the plot, planned the plot. Everything was the FBI. Without the FBI, none of this would have gone forward. And so, you know, holding these, these folks accountable for the, the grander charges would not be appropriate. So it really is unprecedented that they're asking for this. We'll, we'll see how this all shakes down, but this is going to be a big, big thing here. Now, again, um, the trial starts March 8th, and when it does start, this is going to be one of those things that we're going to be watching very, very, very closely. 
Now, most of the time when you're dealing with like ISIS terrorists or something of that nature, you have the terrorist attempting to do something, the federal government hearing about it, and then setting up a sting operation. So maybe the federal government, you know, not wanting somebody to actually be able to link up with ISIS will then pretend to be ISIS or what have you. This is completely different. This is alleged, okay, by the defense. This is a scenario where these people are minding their business, had no no ideas to do anything until the FBI found them and the FBI put the idea in their head. So that's why the defense is saying it's different. Again, doesn't absolve them of wanting to be a part of it. There's other charges that might be appropriate there, but they're trying, of course, to uh, to take them down for everything, and, and it appears to be a complete and total entrapment situation. So that starts March 8th, unless it gets it gets pushed back, but March 8th at this point in time. So this is a very, very important move. We'll see what happens with the, uh, with the defense on this as they've made the request again that the FBI agents and informants and assets, they get immunity so that way the defense can actually ask them questions on the stand without them taking the fifth. We've got more coming up. News Talk 95.3, Michiana's News Channel. And good afternoon. Thank you for tuning in. News Talk 95.3, Michiana's news channel. I am your host, Casey Hendrickson. So this is interesting. Uh, Breitbart is pointing out that Pete Buttigieg has not said anything about the looting on those cargo trains in Los Angeles. You know what I find so funny about this story? Not that uh, I've lost a package in it and that many of you have probably lost a package in it. I I don't find that funny. That was irritating because I really wanted that lighter. Um, My cigars needed it. But other than that, true story. Other than that, this was right after, okay, these trains started getting robbed. Right after Pete Buttigieg tried to do his victory lap about fixing the supply chain issues and saving your Christmas. That's what's so funny about this. And remember, we were in the studio. Okay, we got our two TVs up there, and within half an hour, one story is, oh, Pete Buttigieg saved your Christmas. He fixed the supply chain issues, and he fixed the ports. And then about a half an hour later, <laughs> grocery stores can't keep their shelves stocked. <laughs> it's like, which which one of those is more accurate? So Pete Buttigieg is running around trying to take a, a victory lap for saving all of your Christmases, right? And which, of course, is preposterous and nonsensical. Um, I had, I had stuff get here, uh, you know, a week. And then I think one other thing was like two or three weeks later. So, well, no, not, not three weeks. Yeah. Two weeks later. It's cause it came last week. So this is, 
it's preposterous to think that, but I, I get it that there are some tribalists out there who think that Pete Buttigieg is a moderate and he's not a crazy leftist and that he's he's actually doing a hunky-dory job. Uh, so he's not. He's doing a terrible job. But he goes and he does the, the victory lap, lying about Christmas, lying about the supply chain issues, lying about the ports, and immediately after he does that victory lap, trains start getting robbed. Immediately after. <laughs> This guy hasn't said a thing about it. Not a thing. Probably because he's too busy dealing with his his new babies at home. Uh, because, again, he's he's still not working. Uh, so, <laughs> And I know that this is a story that, that you know, we've, we've covered a little bit. We didn't spend a ton of attention on because everybody else was. But the trash, the amount of trash that is all over these rail yards as a result of this looting of, of the trains is just staggering. It's It looks worse than San Francisco does in anywhere where the homeless congregate. And if you've, if you've seen San Francisco on any of those parts where they have like the needle exchanges or where there's homeless encampments, then you know how bad this really is. I mean, it's, it's horrendous. And Pete hasn't said a darn thing about it. You know why? Because every time he says something, something just gets worse. It was probably better that he wasn't doing his job. The problem is that whoever is doing his, his job for him while he's gone is not doing a very good job either. And sometimes, like in the case of like Brian Stelter, when he goes on vacation, his fill-in host does a better job than he does, and that's why the ratings go up. It's not like that with Pete Buttigieg. He does a bad job, and then when he's gone... For like two months, whoever is taking his place, they're also doing a really bad job. Uh, we went over several line items of, of things that the transportation secretary was supposed to have taken care of that didn't get taken care of while he was absent, which she totally says he was working every single day. And here's the thing. If he was working every single day, that just proved how horrible of a transportation secretary he is. Sorry, he was a terrible mayor, guys. I don't know what else to tell you. We tried warning the entire country about this. Nobody listened to us. Uh, national media, both uh, liberal and conservative, would not come to town and and talk with us about any of it, with the exception of, uh, let's see, we had Kilmeade, and the guy from Talkers Magazine, and I had Lars Larson. Like, nobody else would talk about this at all. And everybody wanted to come down and do their own investigative work where they dug up all of the same old stuff that we talked about years ago, and they had no idea. I still get people going, what's this Smart Streets thing? You probably should have looked up the transportation projects that this guy was responsible for as he was becoming transportation secretary. It's, it might have been one of those things you probably should have done. So uh, he sucks at his job. And he's, he's, I, he's, I don't know what else to say, guys. I just don't. You know, he does a victory lap. He tries to take credit for something that he didn't fix. And next thing you know, trains are getting robbed. And your packages and my packages are not getting delivered. And my cigar now has to deal with a substandard lighter because the amazing lighter that I had coming for my cigar didn't get here because somebody snatched it. You got more coming up. Newstalk 95.3, Michiana's news channel. Don't forget, you can follow us online at rumble.com slash Casey the host. Good afternoon. Thank you for tuning in. News Talk 95.3, Michiana's news channel. I am your host, Casey Hendrickson. I do want to uh, direct you because we've got the playoffs now. 
And some interesting games over the weekend, no doubt about it, but each win means that much more in the NFL playoffs. And with FanDuel Sportsbook, they're hooking new customers up with 30-1 to 1 enhanced odds for the division, divisional playoffs. So you can bet five and you can win $150 on any team to win any divisional playoff game. You just got to sign up with FanDuel Sportsbook, make a deposit to claim your 30-1 to 1 enhanced odds. No better place to bet on the NFL playoffs than on America's number one sportsbook. And if you already have a FanDuel Sportsbook, FanDuel is hooking all customers up with $50 when you refer a friend, plus your friend is going to get $50 too. So don't miss your chance to win $150 off a $5 bet when you use promo code Casey exclusively on the FanDuel Sportsbook app. You must be 21 and over and present in Indiana. Uh, New users only, $10 first deposit required, must wager and designated offer market, max bonus $150 restrictions apply. See full terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. And if you have a gambling problem, please get help. Call 1-800-9-WITH-IT. Um, it's, this actually, this pains me to, to say this. I've been watching it happen over the last several months. Most of you know that, you know, early on as he arrived in Washington, D.C., I was a big fan of Dan Crenshaw from Texas. And then he just started doing stuff that didn't make any sense. Now, usually, usually what ends up happening is if somebody gets to Washington, they start off a little slow and then they start to find their feet as they get committee assignments and responsibilities and they get more influence. They're able to kind of be themselves. So usually what you'll see is you'll see a conservative candidate get to Washington, D.C. and be less conservative. And then as time goes on, they can flaunt it a little bit more. That's usually what happens. Now, we're in a, a different political age where, you know, the young people are going in and they're going, you know, guns blazing on both sides of the aisle and they're just kind of being who they are. But there is a tremendous amount of leverage that leadership has over new freshman representatives. And I always remind people of that when somebody gets elected and they go to Washington, D.C., I'm like, just keep in mind, they don't have free reign to do what they want. You know, there's some debts that have to be paid. There's some things that have to happen before that can take place. But Dan Crenshaw was was pretty darn good. And, you know, he went in and and he he did a, a very good job. I liked what he said. I liked how he conducted himself, former Navy SEAL. Um, I liked the the things that he was doing. And then I started running into, because I, I listened to his podcast on a regular basis, started running into some issues with COVID that I didn't like. And we've had a couple of people on my Discord server, you know, full credit goes to them. They saw it earlier than I did. Um, we started seeing some some cracks, if you will, in in the way that he was conducting himself. And that started showing up for me with some of the things that he was saying about COVID. Things that I knew were not true. And he's basing this, as many people do, on the doctors that he knows, right? So... Well, this doctor that I know says this, and I'm going to believe him. Well, what if that doctor's wrong? It's entirely possible that that doctor's wrong, especially when there's like, I don't know, a bunch of peer-reviewed and clinical trial studies over here that say that that doctor is wrong, but that's okay if you want to believe that doctor. Fine. So we end up seeing some cracks. At least I did. I saw some cracks there, and some people saw them earlier. For a lot of you, the red flag law situation is what really turns you off of Dan Crenshaw. There's a couple of times where he's had some public missteps, and in some of those I was willing to overlook on the fact that he's a SEAL and he's not a politician, but now he's, he's had enough time. So he had a very, very, very 
very bad night last night. Dan Crenshaw got beat up and abused and and ripped to pieces by his constituents, which he's supposed to be extremely popular in his own district. And a lot of people really went after him for, for various things. And, and they did a good job. One of the questions that came up, which was a great question, one of his constituents stood up and said, look, what's happening to the people who were involved in the events on January 6th is wrong because it is unconstitutional to hold them the way that they're being held. It's unconstitutional to hold them for as long as they did without charge. It's unconstitutional to hold them in isolation when they haven't done anything to warrant isolation. What have you personally done to help them? And Dan Crenshaw didn't really give a good answer on that. Basically just said, yeah, it's like bad to do that stuff. And then he did he hasn't done anything to help them. Just hasn't. His his answer wasn't good. Um, his constituents didn't like it, and things didn't really go well for him last night. Now, I, I started with the softball thing because the big one was that Dan Crenshaw snapped at a 10-year-old. Now, some of you are gonna be like, what do you say? Come on, Casey. Hyperbole? No, no. It's, you know, I want, I, look, I have a lot of respect for Dan Crenshaw. And a lot of you um, have, who follow me, particularly on Instagram, know that I have been trolling Dan Crenshaw now for some time on Instagram about his voting for databases. So, you know, these are Congressman Banks, huge respect for him. Dan Crenshaw, huge respect for him. Uh, but at the same time, you vote for for COVID databases, I'm going to call you out on it. And both of those guys voted for COVID databases. And we've got COVID databases. Congratulations. It's wrong. The databases should never have happened. It was a terrible vote. Uh, there is a weak logic on why they voted for that bill, which wasn't a good bill anyway. And then had the database stuff, wasteful spending, all of that stuff was in it. I don't need to go over and rehash that. So I've been trolling Dan Crenshaw for several weeks now over that. Every time he posts something, I have to remind him that he voted for databases. He hasn't responded yet. Um, this is, you know, he's sitting there, he's doing a town hall with his own constituents, and his constituents are like, hey, you know, you're you're not helping people who are clearly being abused by the system. And they, the constituents were fully acknowledging that some of the folks there got out of line. Some of the, some of the folks that were, were at January 6th were rioting and, and committing acts of violence. They were fully aware of that, and they acknowledged that. The issue is that Dan Crenshaw, as a member of Congress, was not doing anything to protect citizens' constitutional rights while it was being abused by the federal government. That was their issue with it, and he did not have any good answers for them. And then a 10-year-old questioned him about, he had compared previously, and I don't need to get in a, a philosophical debate um, about Christendom and, and that sort of stuff, but he had previously basically said that Jesus was kind of like Superman, not really like Rosa Parks. And I'm paraphrasing kind of the lore around it, but he had basically compared Jesus to a comic book character, which, of course, comic book character is not real. And a lot of people took that wrong. Okay? They didn't like it. Um, yeah, I, maybe some, of the, 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 some folks took that a little too seriously. I don't know. I'm not going to judge you on your faith. So a lot of people were really upset at how he characterized that. Well, this 10-year-old stood up and kind of asked him about it. And Dan Crenshaw's response was to snap at this 10-year-old. 
So now he's got a town hall of his constituents booing him, calling him names, and telling him that he's not supposed to treat kids that way. So here's the uh, here's the story from National File. The girl asked Crenshaw about remarks he made in March of 2020 on a podcast. Crenshaw suggested society benefits from hero archetypes and specifically cited two examples, Jesus and Superman. Many generously judged this to be a comparison between Jesus and fictional heroes, Why others slammed Crenshaw for denying the divinity of Christ after the remark. I can't wrap my head around this, said the speaker, explaining why she asked Crenshaw about the statement. I'll help you, Crenshaw said condescendingly. Now, I can't really play you the audio because it's not good enough quality to play on the air, but you need to listen to this. I will put it in the Daily Show prep today. He straight up snaps at her, okay? This isn't a, I appreciate your question and I'll help you out. You know, my faith is this. That's not what happened. He's like, well, I'll help you out. Uh, Put a period after Jesus and don't question my faith. And eventually he's like, I'm not going to let people question my faith. He was just asking a, a simple question. He said, do I, do I think that some people are probably taking it a little too personally? Yeah, okay, maybe. But like I said, your, your faith is your faith, and I can understand why that might have upset some people. So the crowd now turns on Crenshaw, saying one of the people said, you can't talk to a kid like that. Uh, there was a let's go Brandon chant that kind of broke out, but it was directed at Crenshaw. It wasn't directed at Biden. So the girl then said, I can question your faith if this is what you said. So then Crenshaw responded back. He goes, you guys can ask questions about all these things, and I will answer that, but don't question my faith. Now, I've got, I've got a couple of little girls at home that I, I love and adore, but they have all of my worst qualities, and one of them is stubborn. And they are maddening. And I, I, can't, I can't imagine that anybody would ever think that it was okay to speak to a kid like that. Do parents get frustrated and speak to the kids that way sometimes? Sure they can. But I'm trying to imagine just being out and about and having a 10-year-old just kind of ask you a question. You said something. 10-year-old is getting clarity on it. Why not just explain to a 10-year-old what it was? Why snap at him about questioning, questioning your faith? And it was just, and then he continued. He didn't even realize right away after he was being booed by the entire crowd that he had stepped over a line there. So, and I'm sure that he was frustrated because the night was not going the way that he thought it was going to go. Uh, people were upset with him for various reasons. And, you know, again, there's there's been a lot of reasons over the past year or so to be really upset with Dan Crenshaw. And he just keeps adding to that list, which is sad because he started off so strong and he started off as as a a fairly decent um, I, I don't know that I'd call him a full-bore conservative, but he was certainly on the right side. I wouldn't even call him center-right. He was on the right side of the aisle. And and then it's just, it's now he's he's almost Liz Cheney-ing himself. That's the thing that has people kind of frustrated, is that he's really kind of gone into this moderate, wishy-washy sort of a, sort of a stance, and, it, and people are getting a little fed up with it. But at the end of the day, I mean, this is a guy, again, Navy SEAL, this is a guy who is, you know, tasked with, with uh, risking his life and taking lives to protect the Constitution of the United States. And people, again, as not just an elected representative, but given his background, they're sitting there and they're going, hey, we got people whose constitutional rights are being violated. 
you're a member of Congress, you can do something about this. What have you done? His answer is basically nothing that he didn't want to. So we're seeing the fall of Dan Crenshaw right now, unless he does something amazing to kind of turn it around. Um, people are not happy with him. And if you if you start perusing like conservative uh, conservative social media right now, you will see an awful lot of hate being thrown at Dan Crenshaw's way, which is something I never really expected to see. I always told you he was going to disappoint us. You know, I was a, I was a fanboy there too. I said until he until he does something to make me mad, which is clearly going to happen. It happens with all of them, and and it has. But to have it happen so fast, so rapidly, and in such a way that it has is, well, it's disappointing. Got more coming up. News Talk 95.3, Michiana's News Channel. Let me ask you a question. You ever been at a, uh, I don't know, a town hall or a political rally and you've you've gone to stick your hand up into the air and extend your middle finger and it hurts. It snaps and it crackles and it pops and there's pain. And, and so you start worrying that your finger flipping days might be behind you. Well... They don't have to be behind you. All you have to do is go to allnaturalcbd.org. Pick up some of that full-spectrum CBD lotion. Rub it on those knucks, guys. Just rub it in. Rub it on. Within three minutes, you'll be flipping people off like you were 18 years old. Go to allnaturalcbd.org. Promo code KC10 to save 10%. You can get it in unscented. You can get it in a natural lavender. The reason I say natural, by the way, a couple people ask me why I say that. The reason I say natural lavender is natural lavender smells good. Artificial lavender that they put in all your cheap lavender soaps and whatnot is one of the most horrendously awful smelling things in the history of humankind. I would rather smell burning human flesh than artificial lavender scent. So this is a natural lavender scent. Like when you go to the lavender farm that we have here and you can walk in the fields and you can actually smell a farm. I know what, what I don't know anything about flowers, guys. But you can actually smell the the flowers and, and pick them and everything. It smells like that. It's real lavender. This is full spectrum CBD, 250, 500, or a thousand milligrams. Like I said it works within a few minutes. So get your uh, get your flipping fingers strong. Allnaturalcbd.org promo code KC10. Uh, we were just talking about Dan Crenshaw, and speaking of betrayal, there has been an update in the history of Anne Frank. They have identified the individual who gave her up to the Nazis. Anne Frank may have had her hiding spot in Amsterdam revealed by a prominent Jewish businessman who was attempting to save his own family from the Nazis, according to a new book on the, uh, the, the cold case investigation, as they say. 
Anne Frank, of course, hid with her family, had four other people in an annex concealed behind a bookcase in Amsterdam for two years. I tried to take you all on a trip to go see it. You didn't want to go, so we canceled the trip. Hit me up if you want to do it again. Until they were arrested by the Nazis following a tip from a previously unknown source. So, again, she died, along with her sister. Um, they, they died in a concentration camp several months after that arrest. Her father, Otto, survived the camps and went on to publish her diary. And that's how we all know about it. Uh, Rosemary Sullivan's newly released book, The Betrayal of Anne Frank, not to be confused with Dan Crenshaw, a cold case investigation, focuses on the work of a team of researchers, including a retired FBI agent, so not sure if you can trust that, as well as a Dutch filmmaker. The group discovered an anonymous note in 1963 to Otto, her dad, stating that he was betrayed by Jewish notary and businessman Arnold Vandenberg. So that was uh, released in a 60 Minutes interview about the book. Vandenberg had a wife and children and served on Amsterdam's Jewish Council, which was set up by the Nazis to institute their nefarious policies throughout the Jewish community. Um, I don't need to give you a history lesson on all that. I think most of you understand what the Jewish Councils are responsible for. Um, although there is, I would, I would say, a mixed history on some people thinking that the Jewish Council did the best that they could under the circumstances, while others view them as full-fledged collaborators. In exchange for doing the Nazis' bidding, members might be spared the gas chambers, according to the author. And in the cold case team, they couldn't find Arnold Vandenberg or any of his immediate family members in those camps. Vandenberg died in 1950, and Anne's father may have kept his identity secret because of post-war anti-Semitism. So pretty interesting stuff. They think that they've identified the individual who actually gave up the family and led to Anne Frank and her family's death. Um, of course, the uh, again father survived, but very interesting stuff. So again, not to be confused with Dan Crenshaw betraying you. Uh, this is much more egregious than that. I know it doesn't feel that way, but much more egregious uh, than that because you know people actually died here. But uh, I know it feels like Dan Crenshaw's betrayed you. Uh, in a way similar to this. So very interesting stuff. So I might actually pick this book up. Uh, the Betrayal of Anne Frank, a Cold Case Investigation. I might actually pick that up, even though we know the ending. MNC News Time is 4.31. Time to check out Impress Jewelry Creations, creating meaningful jewelry for the moments that will last a lifetime. And good afternoon. Thank you for tuning in. News Talk 95.3, Michiana's news channel. I'm not supposed to do this here, but something in my head was just saying, you know, I need to tell everybody about my pillow, and, and I don't know where it came from. It's like some spirit of the gods or something just popped into my head and was like, Casey, you got a really good night's sleep last night. Yeah. I mean, what little sleep that I did get because I stayed up entirely too late and woke up entirely too early. But when I did sleep, according to my smartwatch, a lot of it was deep sleep. And I'm crediting my pillow for that. 
I also don't have any of that neck pain because some of that's the chiropractor, obviously. But, um, you know, a Warren Chiropractor is always making sure that I had a right pillow as well. And my pillow has been doing that job for me, man. I love it. Absolutely love it. Here's the thing. It's a premium pillow for your regular store price. You can get a standard my pill for $19.98. It's normally 70 bucks, but if you use my promo code Casey at mypillow.com, you get it for $19.98. You can also get pillowcases. You can get the six-piece my pillow towel set. Had a, some listeners order that. Here rave reviews about the towels. I have not tried the towels yet. The dog bed and the towels are next on my list. We also sleep on my pillow sheets every night. Absolutely love them. You can get all of those and much more at tremendous discount prices right now with my promo code at mypillow.com. So you got to go to mypillow.com, promo code Casey. I don't know why I felt the need to do the commercial right there. I'm just, I don't know where that came from, but I just felt like I had, it was something spoke to me and I needed to speak to all of you. So I'm glad I could tell you about my pillow. Uh, Ghislaine Maxwell says that she, or signals, I should say, not saying, signals that she's actually going to start naming names. Allegedly, Ghislaine Maxwell is going to give up the names of eight John Doe's who allegedly slept with underage girls. Uh, No doubt, at least a couple of those names will not be a surprise as uh, (laughs) the old prince overseas has been losing all of his titles and everything. That has not been a good, uh, good experience for him. And the convictor, convicted former consort of Jeffrey Epstein, who did not kill himself, was convicted several weeks ago on various counts of sex trafficking. And Ghislaine Maxwell is signaling plans to end her legal battle to protect the names of eight men, John Doe's, accused of having sex with underage girls whom she procured for them herself and late boyfriend Jeffrey Epstein, who, again, did not kill himself. One of Maxwell's attorneys reportedly wrote a letter to a federal judge saying that his client would drop her, fir- her would drop her fight to protect the names of the eight men who were named in a civil suit against Maxwell brought by Prince Andrew accuser Virginia uh, Goofrey. I hope I got her name correct. The letter addressed the same day as news broke that the case of Andrew uh, would move forward in the courts. It read, after careful review of the detailed objections submitted by non-party does, 17, 53, 54, 55, 73, 93, and 151. Counsel for Ghislaine Maxwell writes to inform the court that she does not wish to further address those objections. Meaning, Maxwell, in order to end this whole legal process, she'll just name them. According to her attorneys in the letter that they wrote to the court. And this is what everybody, excuse me, this is what everybody's wanted from, from the very beginning. We just wanted to know who those people were. There's some tremendous speculation about who some of them might be. And now we would like Ghislaine Maxwell to just say who it is. She's already been convicted, so you might as well get what you can, give them up, and then not have to worry about it anymore. Well, let's be honest, with the Clintons involved, you always have to worry about it. Uh, So we see Maxwell awaits sentencing after being found guilty last month of five of the six counts of sex trafficking of minors. Uh, and her purported plan to name names is believed to be an attempt to receive a shorter time behind bars. So one of the early reports when she was arrested was that she was singing like a songbird. Some of that appears to be true, and some of it appears not to be true. So she didn't give up those eight names, but now her attorneys to a federal court are suggesting that she is willing to do that 
so long as they are willing to um, lighten the sentence a little bit, which frankly I would be okay with. Um, as awful and horrendous of a human being as she is, I would really like to get these other eight people and prosecute them. Uh, we already know that one of those cases is going forward. We already know Prince Andrew's on that. Of course, there's you know wide speculation about Bill Clinton and other individuals as well. So it'd be very interesting to see if this actually happens. So I'm just letting you know the latest developments in that case is that her attorneys have sent a letter to the courts and said, She's not interested in continuing to fight the release of these eight names. She's willing to cooperate. Now, of course, you've got to do something for her. So we'll we'll see exactly how this develops. But keep an eye on this one because she's still awaiting her sentencing here. She's already been convicted, but she hasn't been sentenced yet. And if she's willing to give up these eight names to affect her sentence, that might be a, a worthwhile exchange. And as much as I don't want to see her her time behind bars reduced let's be honest with what we're dealing with here and if we can get them considering the the powerful individuals that most of them are assumed to be um you get them and you're likely able to run down the rabbit hole and get even more and if if she can make that happen with giving her less time behind bars i'm okay with that i'm okay with that um as as unfortunate of a position as that has to be. I think that her having a lighter sentence could, in fact, be much more impactful in a positive way in society in this case. So, again, Ghislaine Maxwell, her attorneys are signaling to the court that she is willing to name names of those eight people that she has been holding in in confidence as long as her sentence is affected somewhat. Now, that negotiation still has to happen. What does a sentence reduction look like? You know, what will she deem as acceptable in order to release those names and, and that sort of thing? So, it's entirely possible that she's unreasonable and this entire thing falls apart after talking with the prosecutors and everything else. So if the DAs are not willing to work uh, work with her because her demands are too much, then it's entirely possible that we don't get any names. But if she's being somewhat reasonable here about her situation, which is, eh, let's be honest, that's, that's not likely. But if she is, then we could figure out who these individuals actually are. You got more coming up. News Talk 95.3, Michiana's News Channel. And good afternoon. Thank you for tuning in. News Talk 95.3, Michiana's news channel. Well, the uh, winter weather is coming back. It's been cold. Going to have a little snow coming our way here uh, this week. But at the same time, it's it's the winter time. So doing those outdoor projects, not really feasible. But you should know that home remodeling, that's still going strong. 
and people are doing their bathrooms. And you're probably going to have to get your bathroom scheduled now for months later with most of the uh, the good contractors out there. They're still booked out. So if you're thinking about remodeling a bathroom, go to Faber's B-Window, bwindow.com. Take a look at it because they're still running a special promotion right now where you get one bathroom uh, you buy one bathroom, you get one bathroom free. They've even got up to 50% off uh, special manufacturer rebates on various items. Of course, if you're noticing the cold drafts because your your heat is escaping your house and the cold air is getting in because your windows aren't doing great, B-Window is the place to go. I was talking with them about some of the supply chain issues that they were having, and, and you know it actually it was causing some problems, but it actually ended up being a blessing because they found a better product. And they were a little surprised by that, but they did. They found a better product, and it's you know it's made here, and they're able to get them the uh, the, the supplies and the windows and everything else on time. So it's really nice to see that. You know, sometimes things happen for a reason. If you go to bwindow.com, you can take a look at all of this stuff. Set up for your free estimate. You can even get a pre-approval right there. So whether you're just looking for windows, you're looking for siding, you're looking for a door, or you're looking for those bathroom remodels, they do that and so much more. Go to bwindow.com. Set up your consultation. Let them know that this program sent you their way, please. That was that was actually, if you heard that, that was B-Window coming on to chat with me as I was on their website. All right, so um, Democrats have their user base figured out. And I think that this is a winning strategy. For those of you who don't know, so polling just came out. It's not just Joe Biden's polling that is really bad. Polling just came out that... Since 1995, the Republican Party has never been this popular since 1995. So right now, in polling, the Republican Party is so popular, they haven't seen this approval rating since 1995. Think about that for a second. Coming into a midterm election where you've got Joe Biden and Joe Biden doing what Joe Biden does and whoever's actually running the country screwing everything up and transportation secretaries who don't show up to work and screw everything up. And, you know, then you got Kamala. And I I don't I don't know how. I don't have words to describe to you how bad Kamala actually is. Did you catch this uh, interview? I didn't do it last week. It was over the uh, last weekend, right? Not this last week, but the one before where. Like it was, is it time for us to adjust our strategy? And and she's, she's like, what should what should we do? Well, we should keep doing what we've been doing, and we should do it now. Huh? <laughs> she is so bad. She's worse at her job than Pete Buttigieg is at his. That's that's how terrible this this whole administration is. Anyway, as a sidebar, so Biden's approval in the toilet, Kamala's approval in the toilet. Almost 30 Democrats retiring, midterms coming up. Republican Party hasn't polled this high since 1995 overall as a party. And now I think we have figured out how the Democrats can turn it around, at least according to this brilliant Democrat strategist. You might have heard of him, Paul Begala. So Paul Begala, who's famous, Paul Begala says that he has an idea on why everything in the Democratic Party right now is so foobar. He says, quote, I think the problem for the Democrats right now is not that they have bad leaders. They do. They have bad followers. 
So there you go. It's it's really see you Democrats are not following your leaders who, according to Paul Begala, are stellar. So this is a surefire way to win you over. What you might want to consider doing, for those of you who are Democrats out there and, and you're listening to Paul Begala and you're like, you know what, he's right. I am not following my leaders enough. And you're probably asking yourself, how can I be a better follower? Let's be honest. Liberals are natural followers. And if you're not following good enough, there's probably some distraction in your life that is keeping you from being the good follower that you naturally are because, again, you're a liberal and liberals are followers. So Paul Begala, he's just waking you up to this. You know, sometimes you, you just you got to get smacked in the face figuratively. Of course, you know, you got to be smacked in the face. You got to be woken up a little bit. Somebody's got to splash some cold water on you and say, you're not following enough. You're not doing a good enough job being a follower. And you need to start being a follower better because your leaders are not bad. You're just a bad follower. And for those of you liberals out there and you Democrats and you progressives and you leftists who are sitting there going, you know what? He's right. I haven't followed enough. And you're trying to figure out how you can be a better follower but you don't know where to start. That can be rough because most followers just naturally kind of do it. But, you know, COVID's kind of screwed all of that up. So it's a little difficult learning how to be a follower, keeping your natural following instincts at home on a Zoom call. So what I would like to do is I would like to offer you, you know, maybe I will make one of those e-courses about this. You know, some software that I'm getting allows me to do like those e-courses where you can just, you know, pay to take a little course. It has like seven lesson plans or whatever. I might even launch one of these things. And what it will be is lesson number one, um, how to follow like Dan Crenshaw. And then lesson number two will be another lesson on how to follow like Dan Crenshaw. And, And then lesson number three might be another one on how to follow like Dan Crenshaw. And then lesson four Well, also, seven-part series, ladies and gentlemen. I'm convinced it's got to be a seven-part series. Something about seven being a magical number. So part four is how to follow like Governor Holcomb. Just just to make it a little bit different. And then then we get into lesson plan number five, and, and maybe we don't even go back to Dan Crenshaw at that point. You know, maybe we pick somebody else, Susan Collins, or, I don't know, Mitch McConnell. Something like that. And then eventually you have to end it, though. You have to end it with Dan Crenshaw's ultimate lesson on how to be a follower. And then if you do that, look, I think you're going to be good. I think if you just follow Dan Crenshaw and Governor Holcomb's lead, I think you'll just learn how to be a follower because they're followers pretending to be leaders. So all you have to do is follow them, and they will show you the proper way to be a follower. And then you can follow the Democratic leaders that Paul Begala says are so amazing and you can be a better follower as a Democrat. This has got to be a winning strategy, right? If nothing else, it's going to make me like 50 bucks. But this has got to be a winning strategy for the Democrats. You just got to get out there and tell the base, you know, you've got less than a year. You've got to get out there and you got to tell the base, look, you, Democrat foot soldiers, you suck at following. You need to start following us again. And I'm sure that that's going to be well-received. I'm sure that they're going to respond very well to that and and be motivated to start following you, doing all sorts of other followy type, type things. I I don't know. Um, I don't know what followers do. I'm not one. So it's go be a follower or something. Like I said, you're a liberal. It should be natural for you. It shouldn't really be anything difficult.
More coming up. News Talk 95.3, Michiana's News Channel. Good afternoon. Thank you for tuning in. News Talk 95.3, Michiana's News Channel. I am your host, Casey Hendrickson. Do want to thank R&B Car Company, locations in South Bend and Warsaw. R&B Car Company are your used car experts. You can find them online at rbcarcompany.com. Well, uh, Jack uh, Posobiec is saying that Ray Epps is going to is going to testify to the January 6th committee this Friday. We'll we'll see how that goes. I I remain skeptical that anything interesting will come out of that, but I digress. We will we will see, we will see, we will see. Uh Ray Epps of course is the guy probably responsible for starting the January 6th riot and is likely a fed. So uh, with uh, with that said, it'll be interesting to see what happens if he actually does say anything and just sitting there and doing, I plead the fifth, I plead the fifth, I plead the fifth. I mean, it's a committee hearing. It's uh, I don't know all of the uh, specifics. I have to look it up on on what his his requirements are for Fifth Amendment rights and, and vice versa. Well, vice versa is not the, the appropriate usage of the term, but I'm hungry and I haven't eaten since six in the morning. So you're just going to have to deal with it. And I apologize. All right. What do we have here? Um COVID, couple of things with COVID. So, one, there is an article here in the, the Epic Times, much brighter than before, COVID-19 cases plunge across the United States. I know nobody wants you to know that, but they have. I, I broke something down the other day. I, I did it over the weekend, and I it's not updated for the past few days. I want you to just keep that in mind as I kind of go over this here with all of you. But this kind of came up because of what was happening with Governor Holcomb and his state of the state and, you know, just kind of everybody just saying that everything is out of control right now with with COVID in the state of Indiana. And it's not. And and I wanted to address that very specifically. So what I did over the weekend, because sometimes I get bored and I do things, but I'm not supposed to. What I did over the weekend is I actually dove into the Indiana COVID numbers. And I used all of the official sources and everything else. And then I made a very bright, shiny, colorful graph. For those of you out there who still use coloring books as a coping mechanism, I made a graph of shiny colors so you could see the difference between December 14th, 2020 and January 13th, 2022. Now, keep in mind, between those two dates, there were periods where things were looking really good and and that sort of thing. But I wanted to kind of take I wanted to take this notion that, oh, everything's at a record high and and all of that stuff because it's not true. It's not accurate. It's not true. I don't know why they continue. Well, yes, I do. They continue to to spread this rumor and this lie in order to control you and, and that sort of stuff and to scare you into getting the, the vaccine, even though we now have two studies that show that Omicron seems to target people with the vaccine spike proteins. But I digress, um, which for the record, the previous South African uh, strain showed evidence of, according to the Israeli government. So the Israeli government were studying the 
the South African strain that emerged in the summertime, which is different than Omicron. And I, I looked it up because I was wondering if it was the same thing, but no, it's a different strain. The one that emerged in the summertime, according to the Israeli government, we talked about it on the show, was targeting vaccinated people. And it seemed to be drawn to something in the vaccine that was linked with the spike proteins. Well, research now seems to suggest the same thing. Early stage research seems to suggest the same thing might be happening with Omicron. And if that's the case, then people who got vaccinated are more likely to get Omicron than unvaccinated people who have not had COVID. Now, we know that people who are vaccinated right now are getting infected with Omicron at four and a half times the rate of people who are not vaccinated. But the 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 non-vaccinated number includes people with natural immunity. So we don't have any data on unvaccinated, never had COVID versus unvaccinated, have natural immunity versus vaccinated. We don't have that data yet. So keep in mind that that unvaccinated number is a little askew. But if you take all unvaccinated people, those who have and have not had COVID, they are four and a half times less likely to get Omicron, according to the latest data. So whether that holds or not remains to be seen. So now when we take a look at what's happening with Indiana, there's a couple of things you need to understand. One, in Indiana, the overwhelming majority of hospitalizations and ICU beds being occupied by COVID patients are still lingering Delta variant patients who have been there for a while now. They're not new, okay? And I've had several people who work at local area hospitals reach out to me and say, you're accurate on the ICU data, but you should also know that the people who are in the ICU beds, they've been there for a while and they have Delta. It's not Omicron. So fair point. So it's it's an important clarification. So if you look at December 14th, 2020 versus January 13th, 2022, two years later, remember, remember the, the governor had just previously said that all-time records, everybody's getting overwhelmed. We had Beacon canceling life-saving surgeries. We, we had all of the, uh, the, the talk in Elkhart County about hospital staff are getting overworked by the sheer amount of people who are dying in the, in the ICUs, and, and that's not happening. When we pulled up, when that story happened, we pulled it up. The three days around that, two people were dying. Not minimizing those two people dying. But to say that two people dying is destroying hospital staff is, is completely irresponsible. So I pulled up the data, made a nice shiny graph. Hospitalizations are up, but you need to know something. And this is critical. We recently looked for a COVID test near us. Within 50 miles, there wasn't one. Unless you went to a hospital. This is about a week ago. If you go to a hospital and you walk into the hospital, get a COVID test and leave the hospital, but you test positive for COVID, you count as a hospitalization. You don't count as an admission, but you do count as a hospitalization. We've been over this many, many times before. If you test positive with a hospital test, you are counted as a COVID hospitalization. Admissions are different. Admissions, you get admitted for COVID. You have COVID. COVID is causing some some side effects. You are having trouble breathing, whatever. They admit you to the hospital because of COVID. So while hospitalizations are up, hospital admissions are way down. 
Not even close compared to December 14th of 2020. So people being admitted in Indiana right now for COVID because of COVID. Way less than it has been throughout the pandemic. Deaths. Way less than it has been throughout the pandemic. ICU bed capacity is slightly down. About 200 beds less available in the state of Indiana than in December 14th of 2020. Now, again, this doesn't factor in scaling. Hospitals scale up and down their ICU and emergency situations. We've talked about scaling before. Uh, Most of you understand scaling. I know that there's a lot of folks in the country who still don't understand scaling. Hospitals try to operate with staff in place, and the staff in place equals the number of beds that are available. The hospital might have a 1,000 bed capacity beyond whatever is available, but they don't need it, so they're not going to waste the money staffing those beds that they're they're likely not going to need to fill. So hospitals do this on a regular basis. They, they typically run this way where they're almost at capacity. That's normal. We have explained this a million times on the show. Hospitals need to operate at capacity in order to make a profit. And so they scale their staffing based on what they feel they'll need. And then if an emergency happens, they call people in, they scale up, more beds become available, et cetera. So because there's about 200 fewer ICU beds in the entire state of Indiana right now that are staffed and ready to go, then in December of 2020, that means one of two things. Number one, they fired so many hospital staff members that they don't have the staff to actually have those other 200 beds available. Option two, hospitals don't think that they need those 200 beds available and they're not staffing them. It's one of those two. Because there's fewer ICU beds available now than there was in December of 2020. And the reasons for that are one of two. Either they don't have the staff to to be able to staff those beds because they fired people or they don't actually think that they need those 200 beds because there's less people in need of ICU beds now than there was in December of 2020. Now, if that's the case, you start to look at at the data here and you're going, well, admissions are way down. ICU occupancy for COVID is way down. Deaths are way down. They don't have as many ICU beds available as they did before. What's, What's the point of scaring everybody if you're the governor of the state? Now, let's get back to this story here. So that was over the weekend, and I've got that on my Telegram if you want to look it up. I've got it on Facebook if you want to look it up, and I've got it on Getter if you want to look it up, okay? Now, the reason that I'll put it in the Daily Show prep today as well. The reason I bring this up is the latest article from today, COVID-19 case counts have dropped across the United States in recent days, stoking optimism that the Omicron field wave is subsiding. Now, keep in mind, Everywhere else in the world that Omicron surged, they're pretty much done with it. And it peaked really, really fast. And a lot of people believed the United States was going to peak mid-January. If this seems to hold and these cases continue to drop, it's entirely likely that we peaked right when everybody expected us to peak. And now cases are going to start, start dropping down. 34 states recorded a decrease in cases in recent days not including states that reported a single-day drop, according to the Epic Times analysis. This includes some of the states that saw huge Omicron-fueled increases, including New York, California, and Florida. Omicron is one of the newest variants of the Chinese Communist Party virus. 
Uh, other states that have seen fewer cases recently include Alabama, Delaware, Georgia, Louisiana, Nevada, North Dakota, Oregon, and Pennsylvania. States in every region of the country have reported fewer cases and a smaller number have also seen a lower number of people being admitted to hospitals with or for COVID-19. What, what the, the governor doesn't want to talk about that? He doesn't want to, want to go out there and tell everybody the good news that, hey, you know, keep, hang in there. Omicron's not killing people, thank God. It's taking over Delta, thank God. We still have some people dealing with Delta in our hospitals. We're getting them the care that they need. And, um, you know, the good news is that your chances of dying from, from COVID are between 75 and like 90% um, more likely to happen if you have four comorbidities. If you don't have those four comorbidities, good news. You're probably not going to die from it. But they're not doing that, are they? No, instead, they're just trying to scare the snot out of you all the time by feeding you a line full of crap. Now, everything that I told you and everything that I put in my chart for what was happening in Indiana, every single solitary thing, that was from the state's dashboard and their partner firm that they they work with, um, which I don't have their name in front of me, but the, uh, the institute that they work with in, in uh, Indiana, that's all their data. I took their data on our government website and plugged it into software that just made the graphics. That's it. That's all I did, folks. And you can do the same thing. It doesn't cost you a dime. It took me 20 minutes to do. And all I'm telling you is you have the ability to look this up. If you think that I am making this up and I'm not telling you the truth, all you have to do is go to the dashboard and look. That's it. It isn't that hard. It would be really easy to prove me wrong if you did that, but you're not going to be able to because I used the government's data. So when you have Governor Holcomb or any public health official or the local news channels or whatever have the local health officials on and they're telling you, People are dying left and right in our ICUs and our hospital staff can't keep up. They're lying to you. That's not true. It's not accurate. And their own data says that they're lying to you. Not mine. Not some weird third party blogger or something of that nature. Not a whistleblower. Nothing. Their own data says that isn't accurate. So all I'm politely asking you to do is as we have highlighted since I've been back from my vacation, I've been right. They're now admitting I was right. I'm just asking you to consider the fact that I am not trying to get you killed. And before you change your lifestyle, go look at their own data and tell me if something doesn't smell really bad about the way that the, the television news covers with these public health officials come on. So tell me something doesn't stink there. When you look at their own data, which says that they're not telling you the truth on that news broadcast. More coming up, 95.3 MNC.
Office owners and you office managers, let me ask you a question. Are you sick and tired of your employees not wanting to come in because they don't feel safe? Are you sick and tired of having to isolate your star employees in remote corners of the building in an unfamiliar and less, less controlled environment for them than they usually perform, possibly hindering their performance? Are you sick and tired of that? I know that I am. So here's what you need to do. You pick up your, well, you pick up your phone. And, but you go, I was going to say, pick up your phone and go to the internet. <laughs> pick up your phone, hop onto the internet, go to cleanindustrialoffice.com. Cleanindustrialoffice.com. These people are amazing. First of all, they are a, an absolutely great group of people. They've got awesome personalities. They're dedicated. They're hardworking. They are going to clean your office right the first time. They even have a donut guarantee. They don't clean the office right. They'll bring back some donuts and they'll do it right. One of the the big problems, particularly for medical offices, are you have to have cleaning done in a very specific way. Certain things have to be done a certain way to meet regulations. And if the person coming and cleaning your office is different every time, you now have to take time out of your day to explain all of these things to everybody who comes, right? You don't have to worry about that with on the spot. They will come out. The same person's going to come out. They're going to clean there. They're going to know all the ins and outs. They're going to know all of the things that they are supposed to do so you don't have to babysit them. And they're going to do it right, and they'll guarantee it. So if you're looking for an office cleaner, whether it's a a legal office, your standard run-of-the-mill data entry office, if you're a medical office, or even if you have any commercial space, they are going to do this the right way. So go to cleanindustrialoffice.com. Get good office cleaning. Don't worry about babysitting or calling people back because stuff didn't get done. We've all been there before. Cleanindustrialoffice.com. Let them know that I sent you. All right. What else do we have here? This is the other COVID bit. All right. The other part of the COVID scam, and this goes into the Great Reset, but the other part of the COVID scam is that it allowed hundreds of billions Hundreds of billions of dollars in wasteful spending for pet projects to get passed without your typical congressional battles. Now, usually uh, farm bill and defense spending bills are the ones that take up this space when we're dealing with funding. Nobody wants to vote against farmers. Nobody wants to vote against the military. So you stick your little pork barrel waste projects in those bills because nobody wants to be on record as voting against them. And that's one of the reasons that those bills typically have the most pork. They have the most wasteful spending. Well, they did that with all the COVID stuff. Let me give you some examples. Hundreds of billions of dollars in COVID relief pandemic funds had nothing to do with the pandemic. I know that you've heard me say this before. Me, many other people were saying it at the time that these these bills were being discussed. The Democrats kept putting sweetheart things in there that had nothing to do with the pandemic. Some Republicans went along with it, others didn't, but it all got done regardless. You start taking a look at some of this stuff. I mean, it is just absolutely bizarre what ended up happening. Did you know that $192 million and $419 million, respectively, from the Treasury Department and the Small Business Administration were given in emergency pandemic funds to at least 125 Chinese firms with links to the Chinese Communist Party? Did you know that? So the Chinese unleashed the pandemic on everybody and we're giving them free money. 
Now, of course, the, the thing, oh, they're, they're businesses that operate in the United States. They have American employees, and that's the whole that's the whole goal. Yeah, okay. Uh, we could go down that line if we want to. Colorado uh, put $550 million of its federal funds towards affordable housing and homeownership efforts. Another $380 million for transportation, infrastructure, parks, and agriculture. None of which, that's not pandemic funds. Connecticut, $7 million to retrofit affordable housing to make homes more energy efficient. The Great Reset talks about moving things into into uh, renewable technology, into solar and wind. New Jersey, which allocated only 27% of its federal pandemic relief for public health, is devoting millions of dollars for water, sewer, and broadband infrastructure. You realize these are all the things that the Democrats kept trying to slip into spending bills that Trump wouldn't go along with? They were giant federal bailouts of poorly run blue states. That's what they were. So this stuff ended up in these pandemic relief funds, and it doesn't go for pandemic relief. In most cases, you're dealing with states that only allowed a small fraction of those federal dollars to actually go towards pandemic relief, meaning anything dealing with the pandemic, medical, health, infrastructure that that would deal with treating people in a pandemic. Very small amounts. The rest of it went for sweetheart projects. Man, we got so scammed on this, and it was so transparent. People just didn't they, they didn't care. They didn't want it, they wanted their little their little check. The moment people started complaining about it, oh, here, here's a stimulus check. Shut your mouth. And they did. MNC News Time is 5:33. Time to check out Impress Jewelry Creations, creating meaningful jewelry for the moments that will last a lifetime. Good afternoon. Thank you for tuning in. News Talk 95.3, Michiana's news channel. I am your host, Casey Hendrickson. It's hard to find a mechanic you can trust. Most of us rely on word of mouth to find a mechanic that we trust with our vehicle. Somebody who's not going to overcharge us. Somebody's not going to tell us to fix things that don't need to be repaired. And somebody who's just going to do quality work so the vehicle doesn't break a couple of minutes after you leave the, uh, the shop. That's where Jason's Auto Truck Service Center in Edwardsburg comes in. We get our vehicle serviced over there. Wife just had her serviced over there about a week ago. Absolutely love them. They've developed a word-of-mouth reputation in Edwardsburg, uh, particularly among women drivers, to for being honest, and they will show you everything uh, wrong on the vehicle. They will let you know what needs to be repaired now, what can wait, how long you can wait before you need to address that particular problem, and they're going to give you a fair rate. Plus, the work is going to be high quality. They use uh, Napa parts as well. Napa parts, of course, have a nationwide warranty. And this is just a, a fantastic company. If you're looking for a mechanic that you trust, go to the ones that we take our vehicles to. Again, Jason's Automotive Center. It's in Edwardsburg at 26771 Main Street in Edwardsburg, Michigan. But they service the entire Michiana area. And when you go in, please let them know that I sent you. Okay, some of the... Some of the shenanigans uh, that are happening. We just got word that there are some subpoenas now with the January 6th committee. Rudy Giuliani's on there. Sidney Powell is on there. Uh, various other 
people who are uh, allies of President Trump are on this list for the January 6th committee. And a lot of them are not going to be cooperating. I know that some members of Congress are not cooperating as well, and they don't have to. You know, there's there's not much that the committee can do if they don't cooperate, but uh, they have been subpoenaed, so we will see exactly what happens. I'm sure that actually, I, I wouldn't be surprised if Rudy Giuliani wants to testify. He's been trying to get rid of that hard drive, uh, the Hunter Biden hard drive, for quite some time. I wouldn't be surprised if he grandstands on that. Uh, but that just broke here just a couple of minutes ago, just letting you know. You got more coming up. News Talk 95.3, Michiana's News Channel. Well, tomorrow we're going to go over an article about people are actually advocating abolishing parenthood. I'm not joking. I'm not exaggerating. So we're going to do that one tomorrow. It's <laughs> I, uh, it's an extra special breed of people that are out there right now. I, I don't I don't really know what else to say about it. It's just you got extra special group of people, ladies and gentlemen. Um, also, did want to just real quick address that there is video that shows uh, one of the Pennsylvania election officials admitting that election laws were broken in 2020. I'm going to put that in the daily show prep today. I didn't have enough time to just kind of go over it in great detail. And so it'll be in the show prep. I may address it later this week. I'm not entirely sure. If nothing else, it might come up on Friday if people have some questions about it. But it will be in the daily show prep today at the burningtruth.us. And you'll be able to go ahead and watch the video. But uh, we already know that Pennsylvania illegally changed their election laws and that election laws that would typically be in place for an election that were illegally changed were not in place and, and ballots were counted. The courts have already ruled on this in Pennsylvania. But it is interesting to see an official actually admit it on camera in a uh, Zoom meeting. So we'll put that in the Daily Show prep for everybody. But yeah, this this article tomorrow on abolishing parenthood it's a trip, so make sure you don't miss tomorrow. Subscribe on Rumble at Casey, the host, the burningtruth.us for the show prep.